2: Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark and Damian Farrar-Hockley. Our guests this week are Harry Ware and Dara John. On this week's season finale, we review the weekend's season closer at Portsmouth, determine the winners of our first ever end-of-season awards, and sum up the 22-23 season with a single letter. We begin with breaking big contract news. The news has dropped. We're recording this Wednesday the 10th. Curtis Thompson has announced his departure on Instagram and leaves after a very successful period. Lewis Wing and Nick Freeman have also taken the decision to pursue new opportunities elsewhere. Guys,
3: big news. Which which goodbye hurts the most? No major surprises for me, but it won't surprise anybody that the one that hurts the most for me is, uh, is Curtis got so much time for him <clears throat> as a bloke and a footballer. So much respect when he came from Notts County, he took a pay cut, joined us at a time where we were nowhere near as good as we are. And I think it's really, really important to, to remember the influence that people like Curtis have had on, on this squad, particularly the younger players coming through. Um, not a real surprise, but absolutely gutted. You know, I think he, he really deserved a bit of a swan, a, a bit of a swan song and, 90 minutes so the fans could could show their appreciation for him but you know as we touched on before his kind of game isn't necessarily the kind of game that blooms wants to play and i think you know injuries are getting the better of him. when you play in that position very 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 difficult to justify keeping keeping people who are injury prone and i guess if it was a toss-up between curtis and and dom i guess the age has something to do with it i think dom's seen as one of the one of the generals in the squad so i guess Dom's always going to come out on top but Curtis hurts Nick Freeman I know was was offered a deal but, but decided to pursue options elsewhere uh, a bit surprised about Arnold um because I thought he he looked like he had something but there's a huge step up from the friendlies that they've been playing to to play in league one football and the others really I think were were probably pretty uh <clears throat> pretty self-explanatory and we could have guessed I really hope that Jordan Abita signs uh, cuz I think he's been a been a massive part of what we did when we were uh, playing well this season, and I think since he's been missing, he um, you know you really notice how much we've missed him. So sad to say goodbye to uh, to Curtis, but uh, excited for a new
4: season and see what that brings. If anything, that announcement has just raised expectations significantly. I mean, we now have to employ, well, employ is probably the wrong word, but bring in more players in every area now. We need a backup keeper. We need a decent level of defenders. I mean, the fact that now pretty much our only backup is Jack Wakeley. We we need to really reinforce that. Midfield, obviously, we knew that there would be people going. I'm surprised that Nick went because the club do like him. But apparently, just looking at Bloomfield's interview just then, I think Nick Freeman was offered the deal, but I think he wants more first-team football. More um, regular first team football, so that was an interesting one. And then we need someone up front because I don't think Hanlon's an out and out striker. We need someone behind Vokes because if Vokes is injured and he's obviously what 34 next year, next season, we we need we need a decent backup. So, but the, you know, a lot of clubs have re- been releasing their retained players over the, and and the players that they've released over the last few days. And to be honest with you, there's quite a few exciting players out there on the free market which potentially we might look at, but it's it's now really raised expectations. I think it's it's going to be hopefully an exciting summer. We've got 12 players filling up spots and there's 20 overall as of 23, 24. So we've got eight spaces to fill definitively. So there's got to be some signings to be made. But I just hope rather than the uh, free-for-all signings when we used to sign anyone and everyone back in the early Two thousand and tens are long gone, and we actually, we signed some really quality players. My biggest miss, I think, goes goes without saying. I mean, obviously, it's really sad to see Kurt go, but we need a create creative outlet to replace Wing. I mean, he is he was our creative outlet this season, even when people said he couldn't be asked. I mean, you know, Pompey showed exactly the level of quality that he he can kind of bring to the squad, and we need to replace that next season because if we've got you know some decent. Decent players up top, and it seems like G Max, obviously, still here and, and what have you. So, you know, we need to we need to provide them with the uh, with the deliveries.
5: For me, the one that hurts the most is Nick Freeman because of how we stood by him when he was injured. Uh, he he was injured for a long time. He came back. Yes, it wasn't ninety minutes every time, but he made the most appearances this season out of anyone. And I'm just a little bit surprised that you know. With some of the players that have left, the likes of Horgan and and Wing, he may have got a bit more uh, first-team football next season. I'm not surprised by Wing. He was an Ainsworth signing, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he walks into QPR next week because he wants, he wants to play Championship as well. You can, you can tell that. I, I seriously thought, think he when Ainsworth left, he thought that's the end of it because he he tailed off. Until yeah, he scored a one goal in the last of the season, but he tailed off for me, and I wasn't impressed with him. Uh, as soon as he'd left, but yeah, that's Nick Freeman's the one. Curtis is, a, is is a hurt one because he he, he gave his all, but he just he, he was never at the level of Josh Gower and I think that's that's his problem. And um, but yeah, looking at it, I'm quite quite pleased with some of the players that have stayed, but and I really hope that uh, like Adam said that. Jordan Abita stays because he helps JJ play his game. You know he can cover. We haven't got anyone c- that can do that at the moment without Jordan Abita, or we get someone in. Uh, some signings would be nice, but don't think we should rush in. But yeah, there's some big names out there. Two that everyone's talking about is Cole Stockton and, and Alfie May. And if we get one of them, I see. I
3: th- I I think Alfie May can do a job. I don't want Cole Stockton.
4: I don't think either of them
3: will come. You've got no chance of getting either of them. The really interesting one for me that I would bite your
0: arm off to have tomorrow is um, Sonny Bradley. Mm, that's actually not a terrible idea. He's local, but I don't know whether he would. Can I just ask, is anybody actually truly surprised that we've, we're going to have a transition window? Considering we've had the trust takeover, considering we've had a new manager, considering this team is at its core a map. That- or an Ainsworth team, is anybody truly surprised we've got rid of so many players? Some of them have been taken out of our hands. Nick Freeman wanted to leave. Lewis Wing wanted to leave. Some of them, I'm sorry to say, but good riddance. Daryl Horgan, you were stealing a living there, to be perfectly honest with you. Loved, love him. He's Irish. But we. I thought this was obvious. I, I genuinely thought this was going to be very obvious. This was going to be a massive window for us. And it was going to be very clear there would be a red out. Curtis Thompson, I don't have the same fond memories as you do because he was constantly injured by the time I started watching regularly. So all I ever saw of him was he'd play a couple of matches and get injured again. You can't really get the love that in the same way he was before the championship season, I'd say. I think it's a really good and exciting time for us, to be perfectly honest to you. We have the chance now to take a team that was, let's be honest, punching above its weight to get promotion take our newfound reputation, take a little bit of extra money and sign some better players. Players who aren't punching when they fight for promotion, but players who genuinely deserve to be there. The best players and the players who are willing to put out that fight, we've kept. And the majority of players who were the punchers are now gone. So I'm actually really quite happy. I think Wing, I'm going to miss. I think Freeman, I'm going to miss. Matt Shazzy, I'm a bit surprised about because apparently he was very, very good. But... That's the way we're the B-team players. But apart from that, I'm looking at this list going, this is a really good foundation for us to work on next season. Bring in some good players, a couple of extra loans. I think we can do well. I, th- I think a big
2: squad shake-up was on the cards. I mean, I think we all could have predicted that when, when Blooms came in and Gaz went up to QPR. We, we knew that there was going to be some bloodletting. I think this all ties into what we've been talking about recent episodes with... You know, with Rob's new deal and the the want and the need for you know an increase in investment in playing squad, it's it's going to be really interesting. It's crucial that you know to see who who we bring in. I want to ask you guys in terms of priorities for Matt. What what would be the first position you'd be looking? You'd be expecting him to to go to the free agent market to look to fill.
0: I think a lot of you are probably going to say centre-backs. I am actually looking at, at attackers. Um, we have Wheeler, TJ, GMAC and Hanlon. GMAC's going to be, what, 37? TJ's still young. He's going to be improving, but he's also going to be sporadic. We saw it with Mehmeti for the first, couple of seasons, first two seasons he played. Even though he was a lightning, he didn't have the consistency. I think TJ will be the same. I'm really looking at a centre-attacking midfielder and going, I would love to see somebody big, somebody exciting, somebody bold, who can not only help link the play between Skowen and whoever else, but also push forward and really help Sam Vokes. Sam Vokes, we've used a majority of the time as an aerial man, but if you get the ball to his feet in the box, he will score. But we've not really had anybody who can necessarily do that consistently. So I'm looking at attackers, honestly.
3: Yeah, agreed there, DJ. The perfect signing would be an experienced, capable number ten, who's um, who's not so experienced that they're knocking on the doors of retirement. But you know, with a couple of hundred uh, football league games under his belt, I have a feeling because I think that Matt wants to play uh, three-five-two. I have a feeling that we'll see um, some win- some wing backs come in pretty quickly. I know we've mentioned before the young lad at Colchester <clears throat> who won Young Player of the Year. I'm not even going to try and attempt to uh, pronounce his name. Be
0: like 800k at least. Compared, like, I, I went back and compared who the level of players who've won that award and how much they went for. It's at least like 500, 600. That's too much for us, and so I'm not. Yeah,
3: gonna say- I know that there have been uh, that there, there have been talks of of Colchester being a little bit short of cash, so I don't know whether we can uh, whether we can use that. You know, it may well be that Blooms walks away and actually he's he's got a clause in his contract that says that he can't take anybody with him. So we don't know. But yeah, I I just get a feeling from from the way that we've started and from some of the things that I've seen that he wants to play a three five two. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see some wing backs coming in. The thing we
5: are all, all seem to be forgetting is that we've got one goalkeeper now. Are we going to be able to get someone in who will sit on the bench? Or are we getting someone to genuinely challenge Max?
0: I don't think we'll get somebody to challenge. I think we'll get somebody young like Cartwright. You're a kid kidding.
5: Like we did before. Maybe someone on loan?
0: No, I don't think I needs. At the end of the day, we only have limited loan spots. I think we should take somebody who doesn't count towards a 25-player limit. Yeah, somebody absolutely. young, experienced. Yeah. We've not hit gold with our goalkeepers so far. But there's no reason why we shouldn't keep bringing in beating goalkeepers and allowing the train on the Streeck like they have so far.
1: Where's Mark Westhead
0: when you need him? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Back on the goalkeeper thing, I don't think he'll be alone. I think the Harvey Cartwright like one, was just because it was near the end of the January transfer window. I mean, we probably won't go make another loan signing. And Ains- Ains have said to me as well that it was an emergency loan in the end. I think a lot of people thought it was to, cha- to challenge Streeck, but it was actually just for cover, so but yeah, like you guys say, I think it will just be a younger goalkeeper. And yeah, that's three goalkeepers now that, well, can't lie we didn't release, but two goalkeepers we've released as well. So we definitely need probably two goalkeepers, I'd say, if anything as well.
0: Is there a possibility that the reason we've got rid of so many CB centre-backs is because Bloomfield wants a bit more of a modern centre-back who can sort of do the passing as well as the defending, whereas a lot of the centre-backs we have and had big lads headed the ball out big strong lads on the Ainsworth let's be real does he want a bit more of that modern centre back who can play out from the back is he gonna go against most of the well
5: I say most a small minority of the fan base and try and get someone who recently went to the other team in Bucks back because he wants to play higher
0: I would take him back to be perfectly honest you I was quite critical of the fact he went there in the first place but I'd take him back at the end of the day, I still don't think he should have done it necessarily, but I'd take him back. The problem with Stewart, I think, is
3: that if we're talking about a footballing centre-back, he's definitely not a footballing centre-back. His his favourite out ball was the, the longest diagonal that you could possibly play. I've got no doubt in <laughs> his defensive capabilities. But there was no coincidence that we started playing better football out from the back when Anthony Stewart left. Yeah, but that was because Alfie Mawson came in. You know, you can't compare it. So another centre-back to the quality of Alf- Alfie Mawson, but Stewart no. was never a player who could pass the ball out from the back. It was always a win the ball in the air, win the ball on the floor, which he did nine times out of ten, which is a defender's first job, by the way. Look up and play the long diagonal. So, yeah,
4: I mean, I'd be very, very surprised to see Stewart come back. But could that be trained out of him? Not, not at this point, I don't think. He's, near, he's 30. probably not on He's thirty.
0: Christopher, know twenty-two. I could, I could see your training that until he's about twenty-five and getting better. Anthony, he's in his prime, but he's not at a stage now where he's going mag- to magically unlock anything in his arsenal.
3: He's not going to become Lionel Messi after a preseason <laughs> with Looms and Tomo, is he? So let's be honest; it's it's probably better off looking at looking at other options. I would say.
2: I always, as well. I I think that we always. I think this probably happens. At every club, is the fan base always kind of go back to the players that we've had in the past, and, and it, it feels like at Wickham we seem to be the centre of the galaxy. And every player that leaves us will eventually come back. You know, it's Jay. Uh, you know, Jason, for the last
4: seven years.
2: Yeah, well, Jason McCarthy's in his sixtieth spell at, at the club now, and, <laughs> and it seems like you know we always, when a player goes, we always immediately start talking about you know when they're going to come back. I'm surprised we're not talking about re-signing Matt McClure and, and players like that. <laughs> I.
4: Well, Next year, so it's, you know, Holloway yeah, as well. Playing, I
2: I much prefer the idea that we look forward, we look at new players, and uh, and I think that's what Blooms is going to be doing in the summer. Let's move on. Well, let's actually go back before we can move on. We're going to be talking uh, Portsmouth final game of the season, a cracking two all uh, draw uh, at the coast. I know a few of you were there, uh, and also there were La Media Ingleses, so uh, a big Spanish presence uh, at the final game of the season. Thoughts on the performance, pretty good way to uh, end the season, right?
0: I thought it was a a fantastic way to end the season. We did everything that we didn't do at Adams Park that last day. We fought for the ball. We looked cohesive. We looked defensively solid. I think in the first half, they didn't really get an open play chance. And most of the second half, it was looking largely like their only chances were coming from corners. I think JJ did drop a bit of a clanger when he didn't fail to get the ball under control. I just thought we looked very, very good, but I feel like the fans helped spurn that on, which is linking back to something I said. If the fans perform, the players will react in kind. We were really, I have to say, really good down in Portsmouth, and I think the players appreciated that and played in response to that. But it was Mm -hmm. a very, very good showing, and I've, I've said if we play like that next season, with the league being slightly weaker and with some players in, I could see us getting not even sixth, but maybe fourth or fifth,
4: it was that pickup we needed towards the end of the season, something to kind of give us a bit of hope. I mean, if we were leave, finishing our season on the back of Lincoln, Cheltenham, and Morecambe, I think we probably would have been crying over the summer. It, it was good. I think we benefited a bit from the fact that they played a very young keeper who felt like he hadn't played a professional game, a bit of a, you know, Cartwright, where he's in the last game before that, where was a bit nervous. Do you know what? The media in Glazer, uh, they proved to us they proved to us at Sheffield Wednesday last year and they proved to us at Portsmouth this year you can generate a decent atmosphere with a small number of people if you're organized and we've been saying this for however long you don't need acoustics you don't need that if you if you're organized and you do things a bit properly you can generate some decent atmosphere I mean the fact that we've had on social media, Pompey fans coming up, going. Well, some have been saying, "Oh, it's a bit much," but they can do one. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but, the, uh, but the ones that are coming back saying they're the best, we're the best supporters that they've had all season. It's rare we get an accolade like that, and that really needs to spur something on in the off season where we come together as a group of fans and go, "What can we do?" Because we could do that with Ad- in Adams in Adams Park. You know, we, we To be fair, we don't travel badly away. I think we're, we're generally quite a, a rowdy bunch of fans away, but there's more that we can do at home, and, and that just proved that on Sunday. So, yeah, no, look, it was a nice way to end the season. Shame we didn't get to say farewell to Curtis, really, as I think we really all wanted to. Lewis Wing sent us off nicely with a, probably the goal of the season, which we'll definitely come on to in the uh, goal of the season awards later on. But um, yeah, I just I'm I'm hopeful. I'm I'm excited for the summer now. Um, we've got a good core of players, and let's just hope we use those eight spaces wisely because we cannot we cannot just fill them up for the sake of it. A really good atmosphere. I thought
3: the lads played really well. There's some really nice football in there being played. It's a bit of a shame that the season's finished when it has because you could just really see what they've been working on in training. Lots of <clears throat> lots of tri- triangle passing. Lots of overlaps, particularly down the right. I thought we looked very, very good. I still thought Vokes looked a little bit on his own, a little bit isolated. And I think, you know, that touched on what DJ was saying earlier. We've got to try and go and get somebody who's going to link the play a little bit if we're not going to sling the ball in the box. But other than that, a really good performance. You know, having the the Spanish guys there made the atmosphere absolutely brilliant. And um, I think there was more peeved Portsmouth fans than anything else that they sounded very very quiet and very very average to our 951 but no it, it, it was a positive day all round. I thought I've never seen anything quite like the atmosphere at the end you know the players kind of came over and stood there for five or ten minutes and we're just applauding the supporters and Matty came up to the front and said thank you very much and you know little and as usual had to go and get his 300 autographs after the game so we walked round and we were chatting to some of the players or chatting to Wheels who were still disappointed that we haven't made the playoffs but you know made the point of the the teams above us and you know, what, what a massive league this is and the teams who are coming up and the teams who are coming down probably make the league next year a little bit a little bit weaker without any disrespect. So, yeah, it, it was a really nice, positive way to finish the season. It was lovely to see the players getting on the coach with a smile and messing about a bit with the supporters and re- re- ready for their breaks. And I think, you know, regardless of how it's ended, it has been a bit disappointed the way that it's ended. But I think when you look at the turmoil that's gone through the season, you look back at some of the results, which again we'll touch on, some of the goals, I think we had a really, really good season. We were very, very, very lucky with um, with what we've watched. And it was nice for, for Wingy to sign off with yet another tap-in. I, I believe the way that they
5: played on Sunday was very much, for me, a pressure-off moment. Is Wing taking that shot if we we'd still need to score another goal to get in the playoffs? I don't think he is.
0: Honestly, I think he would.
5: <laughs> no, I generally don't think he would. They looked... Like it looked free of any any load on top of them. That's what yeah. that's what got me so much. And if they if the pressure was still on and we had another game we could get in the playoffs, do you think they'd come over and support the, clap the fans as for as long as they did? I don't think they would. But it was it was positive. It was a positive performance and people say momentum, it's one game of positive performance, but it's still going into the season and everyone will remember that.
4: That pressure, though, that the pressure off feeling is something that Matty really needs to manage. And that's something that Gaz and Dobbo perfected over years. That is something now that Matty, as a new manager, needs to learn. Because when the pressure is off, you can actually see that they play some decent stuff. I mean, even, you know, the first few minutes of Lincoln, Cheltenham we were passing it about like we were against Portsmouth and you can see shades of what he wants to do. Where it falls off the boil is is when we've got that pressure on, we're not scoring goals, we're not clinical enough, and the players start to panic and then that's when that's when the problems set in. So to be honest with you, it shows that yes, he's trying to do something different, he's trying to do something exciting, but there's a lot of learning to do over over the next few months about how we really manage the best out of these players. And to be honest with you, through his interview about this retained list, it's actually quite nice to see that he's still doing the old welfare checks, you know, player personality checks that Gaz and Dobbo were doing because it's got to fit the right culture of the club. Um, mm. And he's already alluded to that in this in this interview. So, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of work to do. But I think you're exactly right. They, they played like they didn't have any pressure. It, it, and that was better for it. You know, we, we play better when it's like that.
1: I just wanted to touch on the play style as well I think as soon as the playoffs are off I think Greenfield almost uses the next couple of games as his pre-season going into next season and um, I think that Portsmouth game sort of showed that he's starting to come together a bit more I think um, as well Adam said the league in all respects will probably be a bit weaker next season you look at the teams going up and even MK going down I mean if they stay up I think they build something up again next season so some of the teams that Alpha League, actually, if you look at the teams coming into it, I think it's a big chance to really create something. But he's got a whole summer now to keep building on that and bring the players in that he wants as well. We played in gold at the weekend, and now, fittingly,
2: we're going to move towards the end-of-season awards. It's fitting that the players look like golden Oscar statues. This is the very first Heroes of HP 12 podcast end-of-season awards, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. We have three categories, game-slash-performance, goal and player we have shortlisted uh, a number of candidates so let's start with game game slash performance of the season the nominees are peterborough away our three nil win uh derby at home the three two victory and a-, a superb gutsy performance in the december cold our home one nil victory over ipswich town right we need to arrive at a consensus
0: who wins this Peterborough away, hands down.
3: Yeah, yeah. Peterborough
0: Peter away for me. It,
5: it was a per- perfect way to start the year. It was.
0: I I do agree with Peterborough away, but I just do want to give an honourable shout out to Ipswich at home. I thought that was the quintessential Wickham Wanderers win. We were under the cosh. We were played against a better team, and we came out and we absolutely shit them. So I think for me, it's personally Ips- Ipswich at home because it just that was what it meant to be a Wickham Wanderers fan.
4: Yeah, that's old Wicker Wanderers though. For me, that's that's the we're the underdogs and everything else. Peterborough, we went there against a team who were now in the playoffs, and we made them look like they they were like playing like MK Dons this season and on their way to relegation.
5: I didn't enjoy the game against it because of the way we play. We had to play, but Peterborough was just like a joy to watch because we did
3: we we looked like scoring every time we came forward. How how good was Tafazzoli at Peterborough as well? By the way, oh don't yeah. His he, personal wrestling match yeah, with uh, Clive Harris. That is one of the best performances I have ever seen from an individual Wickham centre back. Maybe Anthony Stewart against Oxford at Wembley, but Taffer's only safe, went that, off the Taffes. line as well. Yeah, he did. He, he did. Oh, it, it was the best was. goalkeeper on the pitch as well, but he had a stunning game. Absolutely stunning.
2: So I was going back and forth with, with this because obviously we beat them at home 3 1, and watching the highlights of that game. They took the lead, and I thought it was a really gutsy performance for us to to come back into that. But I do agree. I think going there, going to their backyard and kicking their asses the way we did w- was a huge statement. And I think that's probably the reason why so many uh, at the turn of the year thought that that was us rubber stamping our playoff credentials. And and I think given the fact that Peterborough have finished where they are and they are in the playoffs. I think that just speaks volumes for, for the team for, for our performance back then. Ipswich as well. Yeah. Really gutsy, but I can understand why it wasn't. The easiest watch. So there we go. Game slash performance of the season. Peter away our 3-0 victory. One that will uh, live long in the memories and hearts of Chairboys fans for a long, long time. Goal of the season. So Wickham put out a tweet the other day. 18 uh, contenders for goal of the season they had. We have whittled it down to just three. Uh, hard, but we've done it. Uh, the nominees are... Dom Gape versus Barnsley away. Uh, G-Max absolute beauty against Forest Green away. And Lewis Wing's final day rocket at Portsmouth. Probably a little bit harder given the quality of the goals we've
3: scored this season. What do we reckon, lads? This one's tougher. You see, I think this one's easier. I think there's one, I think there's out of those 18, I think there's one absolute standout. And then seventeen worldies. I need to be really careful how I word this because I'm not saying anybody can do it, and I'm not saying it's easy. But the like the goals that I'm kind of going back in my mind, the wing one on Saturday, I do think has some some recency bias to it, yeah, um, because it happened on on Saturday. And nah, it was a cracking hit. If, it. if you're, it was a great hit. Don't it, it was a great hit. Don't get me wrong, but you're you're kicking a ball from inside the opposition's half straight with a loop on it. It's a great hit and it should be mentioned, but for me, the technique and the finesse and the outright arrogance to score that goal that McCleary scored at Forest Green Rovers in League One is just incredible. Until you've played football at any kind of level, you don't understand how difficult that finish is. It is an absolutely unbelievable goal. Um and you know, I I genuinely believe that probably any one of Lewis Wing's goals this season could have been mentioned in this category. They've all been all been worldies. Scowings against Burton, absolute worldy. Freeman against Barnsley, absolute worldy. But but for me, this one is um is is McCleary just for the the unbelievable technical ability. And, you know, the, really showing his Premier League experience there and really showing how good he is. Um, that was an incredible finish.
5: The way I've got to look at it is that I think Wing and McCleary are both attacking players, flair players. They've got it in their arsenal. And they've both, both been playing at higher levels. Don Gate hasn't, and he picked it out from a halfway line. He's a defensive player. That's why that's the goal of the season for me, because he... It's oh. not the sort of goal that he would normally play
3: in nah. nah, I've seen you do that, Damo. Anyone can kick a ball straight and Yeah, add. you were in goal.
4: <laughs> yeah. I was in the away end at Barnsley when Domgate scored that goal. And it was unbelievable, wasn't it? When, when it happened, yeah. it was just like, I can't believe Dom Gape has just done that of all players. And, uh, and that, even the Freeman goal was cracking. But, yeah. but, look, technique, yes. GMAC wins it, hands down. Wings goal, I know there's, I know it was recent. He doesn't even chip the keeper. He just smacks it from that distance to smack it from that distance. I know On the, the half volley as well. By the way, yeah, the exactly, it exactly. The, <laughs> the technique to do that as well. You've got to admire it. It's just as I'm looking through those eighteen goals and how many Mummety scored this season, you do forget bloody how much of a contribution he provided. The only thing that uh, the only thing that real is missing is the uh, Alan Partridge '94 World Cup commentary over the back of it. <laughs> that striker, foot like a traction engine, wing that is.
2: For me, it's between Gape and Wing. I mean, G Mac, take nothing from it. Absolutely beautiful goal. The technique is is undeniable and unarguable. But uh, it was against Forest Green, uh, a team that shipped four thousand goals this season. <laughs> gape and Wing. The reason, the reason why I'm going Gape is because of the quality of the opposition. The okay, the keepers well off his line, but the quality of Barnsley, uh, at the time, I think they were pretty much up there for the entire season. Wing technique, yes, position, yes. Uh however, I cannot ignore the fact that their keeper was compromised severely. Uh it was almost like a, a bit of a curious moment, really, and I really felt for him when that when that went in. Uh I did and not I think it. I think it's going to take <laughs> that young man a long time to recover, and he might never recover. That
0: is mentally scarring in that moment, like
2: <laughs> yeah, really, really, very much so. Gape never scores a goal, and when he does, it's an absolute—you know—it's it's it's either a vital goal or a weldy But I'm I'm here to be. I mean, we, we've got to sit here until we arrive at a consensus. At the moment, I'm Gabe. Tell me so,
0: otherwise. So I'm going for G- uh, Gav McIlwraith Traveller. I think alongside what Adam said, that is. I, would, I, I play football, I'd try and do something like Dominic Gape or Lewis Wing did. I, If I tried a Trevello, I'd probably trip over and break my leg. That is audacious, the amount of technique and ability to do that. But I do want to say Lewis Wing's goal recently, it is definitely recently biased, but he tapped that down and then on the half volley, he curled it in. It wasn't just a hoof. It was a beautifully taken it goal. Shot.
4: He, look, yeah.
0: he looked
3: up three times as well, so he can't even claim that he's like it. He, it's just out of pop. He actually looked up three times at where the he goalkeeper was. It. That's it. He went. Yeah, he,
0: he went. He went through it, but there was superb technique to be able to even take that. Like, yeah. I, 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 think there's more technique and cre- and he should, he deserves more credit for that goal than necessarily we're given to him. But I'm still on Gareth McLeary's Travella for me personally. You know what this means,
5: Harry's got the casting vote.
0: That's true, actually. So, so well, let's let's <laughs> let's
2: do a let's do a temperature check. Where are you, uh, so DJ your GMAC, Damien, Damo, what are you? Gape. Gape. I'm Gape. Two. Dan, your Wing. Wing. Adam, your GMAC. GMAC. Okay, Harry. Go on, Wing. Go on, Gapy.
5: <laughs>
4: wing for dreadlock.
1: So before um we started talking, I was very much Wing against Portsmouth. But now, still, uh... now, that, now that Adam has had his say on it, I am edging towards GMAT, just because with the whole skill bit, I think, as well. Because I, so I play in, um in Wales, so I playing a uh, the league there, and I think I've seen the sort of goal win would score more than the McCleary one. And also with the win one, I, I also want to say, because I'm a goalkeeper, I think the positioning of the Portsmouth goalkeeper is a bit, I think with the Forest Green one, well, I think just the skill of him to try it, I think the keeper to go in no chance, but with the Portsmouth one, it's just a bit, I think the goalkeeper's a bit out of position. That's why I'm edging towards GMAC, but I think both are just unbelievable goals. Let's,
2: let's, let's make it official then. I think yeah. the consensus is there that GMAC's goal against Forest Green is the consensus goal of the season. Uh, moving on. The, the the big award of the season, player of the season. And uh, this was quite hard. And, and we've actually got five candidates here to discuss. We've got Josh Goen, Max Strick, Chris Farino, Jack Grimmer, and David Wheeler. I do want to quickly say before we get into this is I'm surprised and, and I appreciate he's no longer with the club. But given his contributions at the at the front half of the season, that Anis Mometi was a standout player. And if he had stayed with us, I think it would have been uh, quite an easy conversation. I, I have a f- sneaky suspicion looking at some of your faces that I think it might be quite a, an easier discussion than perhaps I uh, I had anticipated. But Anis Mometi, it, it's strange that he's not really uh, in contention on Wickham Twitter. It's, it's funny, kind of, the memory goes as soon as a player goes. I guess I can kind of get that. But... Player of the season, Scound, Strake, Farino, Grimmer, Wheeler. Who is the Heroes of HP 12 player of the season?
0: So I just want to touch on Mimetti before I say my player. I feel like I looked at it the same way I looked at the goalkeeper of the season for League 1. Cooper was outstanding for the first half of the season, and but he didn't play the full season, therefore shouldn't be nominated for player of the year. Same goes for Mimetti. If he stayed, yeah, Absolutely. He left halfway through the season, therefore he shouldn't be eligible for Player of the Season. I think they need to play the entire season.
2: That's kind of mean though, because he was so good. He had to they, a, a club from uh, from the you know from the Championship had to come and get him. I think that says something about his quality, right?
0: Yeah, I think the fact they played a million plus pe- tells you how good he is, and I think he mm. gets that recognition from the fact he's now playing regularly in the Championship. I yeah. don't think he necessarily needs the recognition from this. My my Player of the Season. And I'm going to be honest here, I was bribed. I was absolutely bribed here. Chris <laughs> joseph gave me his boots at the end of that, at the Portsmouth match. And for that, and not that alone, but I'm going to say Chris Frino, I think he has improved massively. And especially when Mawson retired, when the chips were down, he put in some big performances at that back. And he's the sort of player now that I, I'm looking at going, if we can keep him for the next couple of years, I can see him being a captain. And I can see him being a championship level captain. So... For me, he's been fantastic, and I think he has to be my player of the season.
3: I found this one so hard. I think my vote was Josh, but I could have made an argument for six or seven players. Um, Jack Grimmer deserves a mention to have played out of position for most of the season and to have done it to the standard that he has. I think needs a real nod. I was going to mention David Wheeler for playing out of position, but what is his position? Wherever he plays, he is a 7 or an 8 out of 10, regardless of whether he's playing in the middle. He's been thrown out front as a 9. He's been thrown out wide. He's played at right back. He's played at left back. He's slipped in at centre-backs on occasion. I mean, his he he is, his attitude is, is, is second to none. Max Striek again, you know, we've said it before on this podcast – really only rivaled by Martin Taylor as the best goalkeeper in our history. And I think very, very close to one of the best sign-ins we've ever made. The re- the reason I went Josh, and you could put the same argument forward for Striek with those first six games of the season, but the reason that I went Josh is just what a miss he is when he's not playing. A lot of the work that he does off the ball that you don't notice you know, one minute he's laying a ball free for Vokes and the next minute he's is winning a sliding tackle in front of Tafazoli, and you don't even know how he's got there. It's almost like he's sort of wormed his way under the ground and just popped his head up. The guy is an absolute freak. In In my opinion, he is the best defensive midfielder in our league and I think you could genuinely make an argument for outside of the Premier League. He is that good. There's nothing that the guy can't do. He's like four foot two, and he seems to out jump people in the air. Um, he's great in the tackle. Um, he's that kind of player. Like if you've got a really dull, boring nil nil, you can guarantee that Josh is going to fly in and smash someone and just liven the place up a bit. And for those reasons, I've gone. I've gone Josh, but Max a very, very, very close second.
5: I guess I should speak them because that's my m- nomination I just think with all the defensive frailties we've had this season and the uh, and the changing around and things like that I've always felt a sense of calm because we got Max in goal I just think he's uh, coming and the fact that we've got him for next season just was, that was that was almost the most exciting that I got by someone re-signing um, yeah it took a little while and it took took a United you know, messing around for us to get him but the way we got him and now we've still got him uh, I just is it any surprise I used to play in goal I'm I'm maybe a little bit biased but I do I do think Max Strick is the player of the season for me by far Uh,
4: see now I'm coming a bit with a curveball here my player of the season is David Wheeler and mainly for the fans he's so underrated the fact that that guy has played right back at the start of the season and finished up right wing even playing in midfield up top and everything else, that guy is such an essential cog of our machine I was really really happy when he signed again because his, as you said, his attitude is exactly what you want in the dressing room, he's just a can-do, can-do attitude and when he, whatever position he plays in, he plays it well for that versatility and I think, do you know what, the games where we haven't had him, we've, we've missed a lot, he, he brings so much to that side and do you know what? Again, with Josh, it's one of those: is you really miss him when he's gone because you don't know it's half the stuff he does. And I feel that's the same with David Wheeler. I think the five that we chose, to be honest, uh, and obviously some of the, you know, other Twitter followers and things like that put their suggestions in. I think there was a general consensus that this was the five overall. And obviously, no disrespect to be honest, as I say, great start the season, but you've got to look at it over a whole. Over the whole, for me, it's got to be David Wheeler.
1: Yeah, I think I think for me, it's Matts just because of the impact he had. Um, obviously, because um, we had Tyra in goal for the first couple of games, I think, yeah, you know, I feel sorry a bit for Tyra just because he was throwing him at the deep end. He didn't have much of a choice when it came to that. And uh, I think he got a, a bit of stick, which wasn't deserved with the situation he was in. But I just think the impact Matt's had. And the expectation is very well, him. He had a lot of pressure to perform as well when we did sign him. So I think for that reason, um I think he's been incredible, but again, any of them could really wing it, I think. Yeah, I
2: think this is a a very difficult decision and uh I think I'm going to settle it between it for me it was between Scowen and Strike, but definitely a case to be made for, for wheels massively impressed with Farino. And also, uh, as you mentioned, Adam, earlier, Grimmer playing out of position for most of the season. You know, that's not easy to do. Uh, however, for me, for me, it's uh, uh, I think he's one of the best signings we've made in uh, in many, many a year. My all-time favourite player, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, Martin Taylor. And it's, it's a crazy thing to say, but, you know, after only a season, I can see Max really being... Taken over as uh, probably one of the best players to uh, to ever don the goalkeeper jersey at Wickham Wanderers. So for me, and it pretty much settles it, lads, that the player of the season is Max Streck.
5: Yay. Quickly before we uh, move
2: on, before we move on and grade the season, just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, to the lovely folks on Twitter who. Helped us out, helped us with our shortlist. So, uh, a quick shout out to uh, to Jack, nothing but T, George at the Wickham Way, uh, Tom, Anna Marie, Callum, Shay, Michael, and Bev, and also to Wickham Wanderers Football Club, Argentina. Oh, I didn't even know we had a Wickham Wanderers Football Club, Argentina, but we do now. Thank you, everyone, for getting involved and uh, making this a slightly easier decision for us all to make. Before we uh, wrap up for this episode and for the season, uh, season grade. So this is a, this is our final segment of the episode. So uh, an A to F grade. Sum up Wickham's season with a grade.
0: I'll give it like a high C to a low B. I think we performed well. I think we had that slump at the start. And let's be real, we had people going, oh, we're going to get relegated. We did really well to come out of that. We lost our manager of 10 years, we lost our star player, we lost our top goal scorer. It hasn't been convincing at times, but it's been pretty good. So I think this is our fourth highest ever finish. I think that deserves more credit than necessarily we're giving it, so I'd go C+. plus.
5: I'm going B-. minus. We're not quite at a level of a B because it's not you know as good as we wanted it this season, but I don't think we're as bad as a C. <laughs> it's basically where I'm sitting. Uh, just, just on the level of the start of the season. If you going on the first half of the season, I would have been up at B plus A minus, but it just dropped off at the end of the season, didn't it? We all know. It. I know there was a lot of change, but that's why I'm going at B minus because the level did go down slightly.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Dame I'm going B minus as well for that reason. First half of the season, we we were incredible at times with Ainsworth as well, and especially that sort of Christmas period of fork. It's some of the best football ever since so we can play, especially that a game. But yeah, I think just that dip near the end of the season, obviously not helped by Vavatic leaving, Ainsworth leaving, Mawson retiring. I think yeah, I think that's what has chopped it in the end. But yeah, I don't think you can help that too much.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go see If you look at the at the teams in that division, Dan's touched on this loads of times, but this is the strongest League One I have ever seen. I think if you'd have said to a to a normal, rational Wickham fan, you're going to finish in the top 10 this season whilst losing Ainsworth, losing Mometi and losing Mawson. I think everybody would have taken that. There have been some absolutely awesome games. From a personal point of view, it's been a really special one for me because Littleton's just of that age now where he's absolutely buzzing about away games. He remembers him. Done loads of away games with him this year. Loads of memories to take away from it. But, you know, I f- I feel like... The the bridge between the players and the supporters that seem to be getting wider and wider has narrowed a bit. And I think with all things considered, I think the boys have, have left absolutely nothing out there. They looked absolutely wet getting on that coach. And I think having a, having a thin squad and having a lot of players playing out of position without a break has probably cost us in the end. But look at the teams above us and we'll say it time and time again. They're all big clubs and people will argue Plymouth aren't a big club. You know, they're averaging 15,000 a week. That's three times our gate. You know, we have we have probably finished where we should have done. And let's just point out with our budget, that is still a massive overachievement. So for me, it's a C, a pat on the back, let Matty go out and sign his own players, let him get on with it. And I don't want to see a Twitter meltdown if we go and pluck someone from the National League let's let's give the guy a chance and um and let's let him get his own players, implement his own style of play. And when we've had six or eight games next season, let's sit here and have a serious conversation about the kind of football that we're playing and how we're doing. But but for now, let's try and try and enjoy the summer and count down to uh is it twenty fourth of June when the fixtures come out?
4: I cannot wait for when we've signed when we come back in July and we've signed eight new players And we launch, officially launch, HMS Pistol League. Cannot (laughs) wait.
0: We've not had a proper
4: HMS Pistol League yet, have we? We haven't, no. And do you know what? I think this season, if you look at it from a logical perspective, again, Adam said, hardest league, manager leaving, injuries, etc., etc. A-plus is promotion. A-minus is playoffs. And that's why I'm going B-plus. Because... It's a bloody tough league. It was a horrible league. And you look at the the league that we've got so far for next season, I think whoever doesn't go through in the playoffs is going to be up there next season. But it's actually a lot better than it was this year. It's not as scary and as daunting as it was this year. This year was hard. And for us to finish ninth on 69 points compared to 83 last season, we've had two very good seasons overall. And with Matt, Even with Matty, you know, he had a tough job coming in off the back of, you know, five wins on the trot and what have you, and to keep us challenging, and there are thereabouts until three games before the end of the season is a good achievement in itself for a manager that's only been five months in a job beforehand. So, you know, we've had a lot of change, a lot of shit thrown at us, but that, you know, it's it, it's a B plus for me. The lads have given it a good crack, but the pressure is on now for next season. They've they've really, you know, Matty's now got the chance to bring his own team in, put his tactics that he wants to play in, and make it work. And that's what he's got to do. So we've got to let him do that. As Adam says we can't have the Twitter meltdown. We've just got to give him that chance.
2: Big season on and off the pitch. Tough season. Lots of change. Like you said. Some of the hardest opposition. What a what a crazy season League One has been this year. I'm going to give it a B. I'm going to meet in the middle somewhat. B. I, I was I was pretty satisfied. Really, I think my expectations going into the season was that you know when when Rob was talking about automatic promotion, I I wasn't you know as as, as much as it would have been absolutely glorious. I wasn't buying it. Uh, would have would have taken it obviously but uh it didn't happen and ultimately where we finished i was i was pretty happy with it obviously fully expecting that there was going to be uh, a period of transition when blooms came in and that and that happened and perhaps some of it didn't go as smoothly as we would have liked and form did drop a little bit coming in off of that you know was it five or six game winning streak that was highly highly impressive um but yeah a b i I was, I was, you know, pleased as punch with this season, and uh, you know, to echo your sentiments, very excited to see what next season has in store. And that will do it for this week and for this season. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP Twelve podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify, and if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP Twelve. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at DanClarkPR, Demo at Demo1507, DJ at WickhamDJ, and Harry at HarryWare07. Uh, Guys, before we go, a huge thanks to all of you for making this such a wonderful podcast. To you, the listeners, to you, the guests, it's been an absolute blast and looking forward to another season. Uh, Also, a big thanks to our other guests this season, in no particular order, Chris Spratt, James Richings, Craig Anderson, Tom Wyatt and Jack Howe. We'll be back in July for pre-season and what we hope will be another exciting season for the club. Until then, stay well. Stay well. And come on you blues! The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.